a first-of-its-kind anthology of new writing by three generations of women writers from Vanuatu, offers us a remarkable insight into their lives, their joys, their hopes and their frustrations. Sister Stand Up Strong includes poetry, fiction, essay, memoir and song by new Vanuatu women, those who still live there and others also who are part of the diaspora. The book was planned to coincide with the 40th anniversary of Vanuatu's independence last year, but COVID's delayed its publication till now. On the plus side, that's given the editors, Michaela Nyman, who lives in New Plymouth, and Rebecca Tobo Olul Hossein, who's Ni Vanuatu, more time to gather material. Michaela says they were overwhelmed with offers of work when the word got out about the anthology. Pacific writers have had very hard time getting published because they have maybe not had... Uh, uh, writing courses or ever received feedback from an editor. So I very much wanted to encourage people and my my friends and colleagues, Rebecca Telstar Jimmy and Yasmin Björnum, not, not least, who has the sister platform and publishes a lot of writing there. Uh, we all wanted to ensure that we could uh, encourage as many writers as possible, but at the same time, try to um, maybe mentor and nurture uh, some of the writers to extend themselves and achieve something of high literary standard for, for everyone's sake. We wanted to put out something that was really good and say, hey, this is not just a, a little off-the-cuff scribble. We have thought about this long and hard. Look at this collection. Rebecca, many of the issues touched on here are really a kind of a, a gut punch. You know, they're so honest and so open, and it might be very personal about motherhood or, or mental well-being, or it might be much broader in terms of, of politics. I mean, quite an extraordinary range. There's definitely quite a range in there, and I think from the start we were uh, we were quite um, visionary in terms of what we wanted to get, and we didn't want to limit it because we wanted to get as many of the voices as possible around the different issues that, because it is a women's anthology, that women are thinking about and and put it out there so that the, the world can enjoy and appreciate. Were you surprised, Michaela, at the openness and candidness of many of those who contributed? I mean, you, you make the point in the introduction that your contributors range in age from their 20s through to their 80s. Yes, I was uh, honestly blown away, but I think we all were. And the contributors themselves, uh, they have not necessarily known each other as writers before. And that is part of what I've found out over the years that I have been working with various Vanuatu writers. And most of the people actually needed quite a lot of uh, encouragement to say this is good enough because there were so many, as you know, as a writer, I know this feeling that, oh, is this good enough? You need validation from somewhere. And if you've never had that, uh, it really is hard to put your thing out there. And especially when you are so honest and frank about things that are maybe not always spoken about in this way. That sense of Vanuatu coming of age and celebrating the 40th anniversary and saying, but there are so many things that we still need to work on. And there are so many things when it comes to women's rights and empowerment of women that we still need to think about. And yes, while we celebrate the 40 years, it's making sure that we're, we have also an inclusive approach and bringing in the different voices that are still talking about the issues that are still there and have been there 
for women and, and that women continue to face on a day-to-day -day basis. I think that's been one of the key things that's come out of this. Michaela, language is important here. I mean, you make the point in the introduction that the contributions are predominantly written in English. Uh, this is a reflection of the uh, language of education. But I get a sense that there's more to it than that. This is more taking that language and using it in the way that they want to. I mean, I, could this have been written in Bislama? Well, that's such an interesting uh, point you make. I think that... Um, through the discussions, especially the older generation, like Helen Tam Tam and Mildred Sope, who is from the pre-independence uh, poets, really, she made the point that the language of poetry and other things that are not uh, necessarily of uh, Vanuatu, indigenous to Vanuatu, that is English or French maybe for a few, but, but English is how a lot of the older generation want to write poems. And because people have not then been able to use Bishlama in the school, and Rebecca, add to this if I'm totally off the page, but uh, that means that they then actually have not had a chance to put out very much poems in Bishlama. So we were thrilled to get some contributions in Bishlama. And it's the poets themselves that have translated it into English. Um, so it's their poem in English too. Three taken actually by the poem simply called Bishlama. This is by Helen Lubanga Tantam, reminding us that the language actually goes back to the blackbirding days. Was there much other writing about blackbirding? How is that time? We probably should get a definition, perhaps Rebecca also. But that blackbirding time in Vanuatu's history. Definitely throughout um, the book, there's a reference by different writers to experiences of blackbirding and, you know, families being taken away or stolen away. There's, uh, there's a, a story by one of the writers about a young man who was taken away from his, his family and then going to a sugarcane plantation and recalling uh, the home and then coming back to where the mother in the village is talking about, you know, missing this young man. There's also stories... Uh, by Francis, poems about um, kind of a stolen generation of, of, of a young woman called Leni Aru. One of the things is, that we're finding is, you know, there's very little writing from the uh, ancestors themselves of people who've been stolen away or taken away during this period to really express um, the experiences that uh, individuals have had during this period. Michaela, there's such a range of genre in this collection, and that includes one of your contributions, which is taken from a longer oral history conversation that you're having um, with someone who clearly has a great story to tell. There aren't that many um, anthologies uh, from Vanuatu, and certainly this is the first that covers three generations of uh, women's uh, stories and poems and ideas. And so as part of my... PhD research into Nivanuatu women's voices, but also rhetorical alliance and all these things. I was trying to interview as many as possible of the writers I could find at the time. And Mildred Sope was one of the few who, along with Grace Meramolisa, who's Vanuatu's best known writer, um, but she passed away sadly in 2002. Well, Mildred Sope was published before independence in 1980 and picked by Albert Wendt 
for a collection of uh, poems from the New Hebrides, which was published back in 1975. And that was basically all there was for a long time. And Mildred Sope has, uh, like many people in the Pacific, self-published a poetry collection. And as soon as you self-publish, back then, it means also that it's very hard for anyone else to discover who doesn't know of the writer already. And Mildred has tried for a long time to write her own memoirs together with people, and then people pass away, and the writing uh, goes missing somewhere. And she has given out hundreds of poems over the years to people who come and ask for a poem, either for a celebration or Mother's Day or for a school assignment. And she writes poems. She's a ghostwriter. She has written hundreds of them, but they wouldn't bear her name. So I thought she deserved to actually find a place for all of the work that she has done too. Rebecca, uh, one of your poems is incredibly personal. It's a love letter, if you like, to your little one when she was, uh, when your baby was two weeks old. And you're wondering about what the future will be like for them when they, when they come of age, you know, comparing it to what the situation is, is now. It's a, a beautiful work, but I say very personal. Definitely. And I think, you know, this is the beauty of this anthology. It's, it's given that space for writers to be able to put put stuff out there that they might not necessarily have had the opportunity to do it. And I've been fortunate in that way. Uh, at that time, writing that, I, you know, my daughter was two weeks old. And I think it just demonstrates also um, this whole thing about motherhood and that you're focused on this this new baby that's come into the world. But then, you know, you've got to think about the future and wonder what's going to come tomorrow. And I think this is the thing that's so amazing. And it, and it demonstrates for me the resilience of women, but also just caring about community and society, which is something that as a woman and as a mother is, is, is hard to, to distance yourself from. I mentioned before the political. I mean, the political is very much within this poem too, isn't it? Where you're reflecting on the fact that there was an election coming up in, in 2020, so few women in positions of power. Are you hopeful that things will change when, when you're a little one? is of age. Definitely. There's a sense of hope there. And and maybe just also for me, also the sense that, you know, we need to start making those changes now and it needs to be incremental because, you know, we've moved forward and we're going back five steps. So let's, as a country, have a vision for what we, where we want to go and, and start to chart that now because we can't expect that things will change overnight. Uh, they definitely have changed for the worse overnight. I love you by Michaela Nyman and Rebecca Tovo Olon Hossem. I love you. Where are all the bananas when you crave one? Takes nine months for the herb to shoot. New fruit-bearing limbs light its purple-red lamp, unfold ten rings of green fingers. Those were the words on her messenger screen. Seriously? She barely knows you, jerk. And you're already spouting I love yous? Doesn't he know she has met many like him? Those who use their words to get what they want? Words as sweet as ripe mangoes in season? Thinking about what might transpire in nine months. Thinking of those thinking about what could happen in nine months and all that happened. Okay, maybe over ripe mangoes just about to go off. She is 25 turning 40. This is what people tell her. They tell her she is complex. 
she wonders if it's complex like a wide woven Putuni's mat or a highly strung ambi basket, almost PNG-like in texture. I wish you knew how intense the taste of that first banana after a cyclone, like freshly squeezed pamplemousse juice, the first yam harvested beyond carbs, water, sweetness, more than potassium and tryptophan, slight tartness of wild berries, taste, sun, rain and life promises that all will be well. And that's why we eat another and another and another. If only she were naive, like a girl who just had her kalaku after seeing her first period and coming of womanhood, then maybe the I love yous would be taken differently. For now, this girl of 25 turning 40 unfriends him and blocks him on Messenger. Sister Stand Up Strong is edited by Michaela Nyman and Rebecca Tobo Olul Hossein and is published by Victoria University Press.